Ian Thorpe is number one. A kickstart for Australia. Gold in a world record. Now it's Donovan Bailey trying to pick up runners. Donovan Bailey is putting on the third. A perfect score, 10.0 for Dante Kamenici, a perfect score. The first time I've never seen it. So in over 100 years, nobody's won as many medals at the Olympic Games in any sport than this great champion, Michael Phelps. Usain Bolt spreading ahead, winning by daylight and setting a world record, 9.68. The wind is okay. Good evening, afternoon and good night from Off The Podium, an Olympics podcast as we come to you for episode 18, a day 16 closing ceremony and entire Olympics recap. We've got a little bit to cover in the episode today because this is our final episode for the Rio 2016 Olympics, at least until maybe the Paralympics, but we're not doing those. Uh, We're just doing the Olympics and we might mention the Paralympics a couple of times in this episode. Who knows? It's exciting to be here. We've delayed it by about a day or so because we wanted to make sure that we were on top of everything and also because our schedules didn't all match until right about now. But that doesn't matter because I am Ben and joining me on the line direct from the plains of Emu where he is so excited to talk about the last day of the competition, the closing ceremony and everything else that he's about to burst. That is Jared Lubig. Jared, welcome back to Off the Podium. Yeah, I'm pretty much a pinata at this moment, um, filled with insightful thoughts, um, candy, food, whatever, um, and just waiting to, to let loose on this, on this closing ceremony. That sounds um, incredibly fun. That's how I like to be filled up with things and talk about the Olympics, to be honest. Uh, moving over to Canada right now, uh, it is time to welcome back to Off the Podium, uh, direct from the Pan Am city of Winnipeg and the closest city to Flin Flon 2028. It is Mr. Colin Hilding. Colin, welcome back to Off the Podium. Thank you. I'm super pumped for Flin Flon in another 12 years and... For now, if anybody's wondering if there's any noise in the background, if it sounds like I'm uh, falling or dying, I'm in the middle of a race walk to work. I've been hip-checked by a few passerby so far, and like a good Canadian, I'm just going to take it and pretend like it didn't happen. (laughs) And uh, hopefully you won't shit yourself uh, on the way there. Just um, (laughs) make sure. Well... (laughs) No promises. (laughs) It is a long walk. (laughs) It is a long walk, yes, indeed. Uh, But look, we've got a bit to cover. Obviously, we had a final day to talk about, and we also have the closing ceremony and other things. But we'll start with the final day, because there's not a whole lot to talk about, really, on the last day of competition. Uh, Neither Canada nor Australia won anything, um, particularly when it came to basketball. Um, And there wasn't a whole lot of other stuff uh, happening, uh, realistically. Jared, um, I don't really know if you've got much to add on the final day of competition because, I mean, Channel 7 was too busy, as I said, uh, predicted, showing highlights from the first 15 days and not actually showing live competition from day 16. Yeah, it was a bit bare in terms of coverage, um, particularly in terms of of the Aussies, I mean, we had people and stuff that weren't doing well uh, in the marathon. Uh, I don't think they even showed us once because we didn't know any of the fronts. It didn't really matter. 
Uh, and then obviously the basketball was yet another disappointment and um, the search for a medal in the men's basketball continues to Tokyo 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another fourth place finish, no doubt. Um, I don't know what anything happened with Canada at all on the last day, did it, Colin? Did, did I mean, Canada show up to the last day or were they too busy celebrating Rio and looking forward to Pyeongchang in 2018? You know, there were a couple of athletes who were in some of the events. I know we had one in the marathon, and I think we may have had, like, one boxer left or something like that. But it was funny that during the coverage of the marathon, which they aired pretty much in its entirety, they were scheduled to have the press conference to announce the flag bearer. And they cut back, you know, to one woman who was talking, and that went on for about five minutes. And they just abruptly cut away, like, all right, we'll return here in a bit. And, like, 20 minutes later, I swear... They came back to Kurt Harnett, the chef de mission for Canada, and he talked for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then they cut away again, and I guess they just kept getting impatient. Eventually, they cut back, and like, and here's our flag, better bear Penny Alexiak, and she talked for maybe 30 seconds, and then that was it. <laughs> so that was the extent of our coverage, is that we had split screen of the marathon and a very long-winded introduction to Penny as the flag bearer. So did she literally just walk on stage, and it was just like, Thank you, I'm honoured. And that was like it. (laughs) (laughs) It pretty much was. It's not even an exaggeration. She held the flag up for a few pictures and then that was it. (laughs) Wow. Obviously getting practice as well for the opening ceremony in a few years, no doubt. Um, I mean, we called it, didn't we? I think it was either her or uh, DeGrasse. So, you know, good, good on her. Um, mm-hmm. did you see her in the closing ceremony? We're jumping ahead a little bit to the closing ceremony, but uh, we even, I think, got a bit of Canadian coverage. We saw her, so I don't know if you saw her. <laughs> yeah, we did see her, and uh, they kept the camera on her for a few minutes. Um, I'm kind of surprised when you look at all the flag bears coming in at once the way they did it. I was just wondering how long is she going to be able to hold that thing up because that thing looks like it weighs 100 pounds, but I don't know she's six foot something probably a lot stronger than i am so <laughs> i don't think i could be a flag bearer but she did a good job carrying the entire weight of canada on her shoulders and the flag as well because it's not like she's going to have any pressure on her moving forward now after her performance in rio just tell her to like not hang around with the campbells or any australians or anything like that so um she continues yeah at the, at the next meetup i have with my olympic pals donovan bailey and penny alexiak <laughs> i'll make sure to let her know please do please do uh, the only results i've got here outside of the fact that none of us won medals i mean you mentioned the marathon uh we had three aussies uh liam adams was 31st michael shelley 47th and scott westcott 81st i want to talk about the marathon i was fascinated by that actually uh the basketball Oh my goodness, that was just just so Australian. Um, we lose at eighty nine to eighty eight against Spain. A contentious foul call, um, and then we had what five point four seconds on the clock to do something, and we didn't. Um, I, mean, I I'm sorry, Jared, but this is this is bound to happen. I mean, just the just the weight of expectations on them. Oh, they're finally going to break this drought and finally win their first medal in men's basketball. You know, blah blah blah. We're so good. The USA are expecting to meet us. And blah blah blah. It was always going to happen that we were going to lose and lose in heartbreaking circumstances. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the hype was so high. They talked about how it was our best team ever. Um, well, I mean, there goes our best ever chance to win win a uh, medal, according to the media. Um, it felt like a carbon copy of like the women's loss. Like it came down to kind of that, those last couple of seconds, and we had possession, and somebody should have just shot the ball. 
um, from anywhere, really. Um, I don't know. You just knew that it was going to end up that way. I'm actually surprised we got that close because in the early stages, it really looked like it, we were, it was going to be a repeat of our game where we lost to Serbia because we were playing so badly at the beginning. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and the only other one I've got here is cycling, the cross-country slash mountain biking, whatever it's called today. Uh, Daniel McConnell was 16th and Scott Bowden was 36th. But um, that's about it. Um, and Colin, as you kind of mentioned, really not a whole lot to talk about from other Canadian results. I mean, I think you had people in the cross country, and didn't you mention there was some bit of wrestling in the last day for Canada as well? Um, I don't even remember if Canada was in it. If we were, it was just sort of glossed over. I think that the real star were the Mongolian <laughs> coaches in wrestling who won the gold medal for fat guy striptease of... Uh, <laughs> 2016 Rio. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. Trust me. Trust me. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, the main one, well, just the middle, there's only 12 gold on the final day. So, I mean, just quickly, the last, uh, the last medal winners on the final day, the marathon was a big one. Eludio Kip Chojiji of Kenya, um, he won it. Uh, it was so fascinating. I've never sort of really paid that much attention to the marathon, but it was just, it's an amazing thing to watch. Uh, basketball, well, the USA won it. Of course they did. Um, they beat Serbia and Spain got the bronze. Uh, boxing, there was a few left on the last day. So Uzbekistan did quite well. They got two gold on the final day. In the men's flyweight, Shakhobadin Zoryov uh, won. And the men's light welterweight, Fazladin Gab Nazarov uh, took the gold in that one. In the men's super heavyweight, the French took it, Tony Yoka. Um, and in the women's middleweight, Clarissa Shields of the USA, gold there. In the mountain biking, I don't want to call it cross-country, it's called mountain biking, not bloody cross-country. Uh, Nino Schurter of Switzerland won it in the men's cross-mountain uh, bike, I just meant to call it cross-country again. Um, in Jared's favourite gymnastics, the women's rhythmic group all-round, Russia took the gold there. Uh, handball was fantastic. Oh, brilliant, brilliant display by oh, Russia, should we how say. How good was it? It was so good, the way they threw those ribbons. I mean, I've never seen ribbon throwing like mm. that since the last time I went to Spotlight. So good job, girls. Um, handball, yes, the Danes, they won that one. Good for them. Um, that's Denmark for those at home. Uh, <laughs> you didn't know that. Um, I don't know why I had to explain that. Oh, I wonder where the Danes are from. Yeah, it's just a bunch of dogs. Great Danes. Um, volleyball. It's not Daneland? Daneland, yes. Uh, that's a new country. It just got admitted to the Olympics on the final day. Um, in volleyball, the indoor volleyball, Brazil uh, won it. Uh, great job for them. Uh, and in the wrestling, Soslan Romanov of Russia won the men's freestyle 65 kilogram, while in the freestyle 97 kilogram, the USA uh, Kyle Snyder won that one there. So the medal tally, how it ended up, uh, well, the USA, well, they shattered in. Uh, 46 gold, 37 silver, 38 bronze. Excuse me. Uh, USA, 121 in total. Nearly double the amount in total of Great Britain in second, who got second. Now, I believe they became the first country in the history of the Olympics to better their total medals after they hosted it. I think Australia were the first to better the gold medals won after they hosted it, but Britain apparently won more of uh, overall medals, so good for them. Second place, beat China, who had their worst result in the Olympics since Atlanta, and already they're calling for inquiries. Damn Chinese, only finishing third. Uh, Russia leaped up to fourth, and Germany finished in fifth. Australia clings on to tenth position, eight gold, 11 silver, 
10 bronze, only 29 medals. There's already calls for inquiries in Australia. It wasn't good enough. Apparently, it's a terrible effort. I still think the fact that we won 29 medals and finished in the top 10 is fairly decent. Um, Canada finish in 20th. You just cling on to the top 20, Colin. Four gold, three silver, 15 bronze, 22 in total. You finish one behind New Zealand based purely on the fact that they won six more silver medals than you, but you won four medals more in total. That's where it matters. And the host nation, Brazil, had their best Olympics ever. Seven gold, six silver, six bronze, 19, and they finished in 13th place. Jared, the inquiry, Australia suck at the Olympics. Apparently, this is terrible. This isn't good enough. Uh, I heard the chef de mission. I can't remember her name because we don't care about her. Um, she basically said she wrote down on a piece of paper that we were ex- could have won 21 gold and that we were expected to convert 75% of them. We only got eight. She said if the Olympics were held 12 months ago, we would have won 16 gold medals. Um, I mean, eight gold medals I still think is fairly decent if you don't, you know mind i think it's still okay but you know did, did we suck these olympics or do you think this is just what we were going to do i feel like this was to be expected i think after london it was kind of a big letdown um in terms of the medals won and kind of areas where we thought we could improve and i mean i feel like overall am i right in saying that we won less medals in uh, same amount of gold, but I think less medals overall. Yeah, six, in, six um, less. Than but London. I feel like after London, this kind of yeah, I feel like this wasn't um, as big of a disappointment just because of London. I feel like expectations, at least for me personally, personally were kind of tempered a little bit. Uh, I think a top five finish was always going to be unrealistic, um, and that was a stupid target to set. I think just top ten would have been nice because we would have achieved it. Um, even just a, a simple goal of let's win more gold than. And then we did in London, which we didn't do, but, I mean, that was a possibility. Uh, I think uh, moving forward to Tokyo, it would just be about setting realistic goal, goals, uh, um, potentially um, just lessening the pressure on the, on the swimmers or not putting all our eggs in that basket and, and maybe um, underestimating a little bit how many uh, medals we're going to win in the pool because I think that's an area that everybody, we invest into so much and then... When we don't get the results there, then our targets are never going to be met. So it's about reducing expectations there and then just celebrating the surprise victories like in the modern pentathlon. I mean, overall, I think those medals are kind of, they make, they make up any disappointment in the amount that we've won. It's winning in new areas and expanding into new areas. Exactly. Uh, the worst we've done since Barcelona in terms of total um, but yeah, we won six less overall than London. But I mean, as I was saying the other day, I think we, we, we overachieved more so in the 2000s than the fact that we're underachieving now. I mean, God, I remember, as I said the other day, growing up, you go to Barcelona, seven gold, Atlanta, nine gold. That was about it. So Sydney, 16 gold. Fantastic. Athens, 17 gold. Wow. Like, you know, Beijing, 14. That's pretty good. But I think the fact that, yeah, we, we overachieved more so in the 2000s and just now that they were underachieving, I think it's just about average of what we usually do. And particularly when you've got countries like Great Britain just shitting money everywhere to make sure that they're all the way at the top still. And I think kind of if you go back two years, the fact that we're getting beaten quite comprehensively by England in the Commonwealth Games, I think it's quite fair to assume that we are behind them now in terms of sports like this. 
and we just need to grin and bear it and accept it. So, yeah. But, Colin, obviously, Canada, we've talked a lot about this. You guys, the most successful games uh, since Atlanta. Uh, there's, I'm guessing it's the opposite for you guys. You guys are now calling for top five in Tokyo. I mean, <laughs> the sky's the limit right now for Canada in the Summer Olympics. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping they don't uh, aim for a goal like that just because I think if uh, these games proved one thing is that you under-promise and over-deliver because uh, I think the, the goal that they set was 19 medals. It wasn't even about golds or silvers or medal count standings. It was just let's try to beat what we had in Beijing and in London, and they did that. Uh, the thing that really was working for Canada was that we had a lot of these young athletes that nobody had any expectations for because they hadn't been around to compete. I mean, Andre de Grasse, he won three medals out of three events and there was maybe a little bit of expectation on him just because he competed at the world championships last year, but so many of our medalists are still in high school. So I think it, there will be more expectations next time. Um, this definitely ties Atlanta for, the most medals we've won in a proper Summer Olympic Games. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to top this next time, match it. Um, Canada, as usual, they'll just, uh, if they fall short of it, they'll just take it and <laughs> move on just like Evan Dunphy. Cool. All right. Um, yeah, it's... it's um just looking at your, your tallies, yeah, so the best you've done since Athens in turn... Uh, sorry, Atlanta in terms of total... Best in terms of gold since Barcelona, when you won seven in Barcelona, but the first time you won more than three since Barcelona, so that's pretty decent. And again, as we know, considering you only won one in London, um, that's a that's a big improvement. So um, good. Well, what's really funny is that you know we've talked about how what if the medal standings were based on total amount of medals won. When it comes to Winter Olympics, Canada always prides themselves like, look, we had a top five finish based on golds and. In Vancouver, especially, we set the record for most amount of golds won. So that's what Canada bases it on. For some reason, in these summer ones, they decided, no, we're going to rank ourselves based on total medals won. So Canada was reporting a top 10 finish, even though that wasn't really proper. Well, I think by, by total, yeah, that's that's pretty good. But I'm just... It's kind of interesting looking... Um, I wanted to look at Brazil because I mean, we kept saying, like, oh, they're not doing too well, they're not doing too well. Um, I mean, obviously the host nations generally get a bit of an improvement and they won seven gold, six silver, six bronze. And I kind of thought, well, that doesn't really sound like that's that many. I thought Brazil, you know, I'm doing an Andrew Gaze here. I thought that they did a lot better in the Olympics, but it is the best they've ever done at the Olympics. I mean, they, they generally only win sort of about three gold. They're kind of like Canada. They only win a couple. Um, they won three in London, three in Beijing, five in Athens. They didn't win a single gold in Sydney at all, Brazil. Um, it is the very first time they've gone to seven gold, uh, and it's the very first time they've finished in the top 15 of a medal tally as well. So good on you, Brazil. You really did improve, so that's good. Um, and I was just looking in terms of... Thank you, Neymar. Thank you, Neymar. <laughs> looking at the host... Uh, so I found a tally here of host nations and what, how they did. Uh, they won the least amount of gold medals in terms of a host nation since Greece back in 2004. But, I mean, again, you've got to remember that China and Great Britain hosted the last two Olympics. So <laughs> they're going to always win a lot. But, I mean, that's, I'm sure they're happy with it. Um, we got a nice little montage at the end of the closing ceremony, Channel 7, of... All Brazil's gold medals, so that was nice. Um, 
but yeah, well done. What Brazil. was the uh, the theme? What was the theme music that your montage was played to? Um, well, we because we got we actually I was happy we got two montages because I was a bit disappointed with that all Brazilian one because I'm thinking well that's not a usual Channel Seven one. And then later on in the day they had like a best of the Rio games like one hour show to which they then played like a, an extended one. So the first. Uh, the Brazilian one was set to a cover of Chris Isaac's Wicked Game, and I believe that was by Ursine Volpine. I'd never heard of them before, but that's what Shazam told me. It wasn't from Giselle's solo album? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. <laughs> um, and then the montage that we got later on, which was much better, because uh, not, nothing against Brazil, but it focused a lot on the Australian ones, and I might play a little bit at the end of this episode. Uh, so we got a song called Both Sides Are Even by the Boxer Rebellion, and a song called Pilgrim by Fink. Um, everyone right now is going, oh, I love those songs. Um, but they're actually quite good songs, so they fit very well. So what, what about you? What did CBC do? Did they do it to the um, what, that band you were talking about the other day that I've gotten already? <laughs> yeah, uh, predictably, they did it to the Tragically Hips. Uh, probably their biggest single they had, Ahead by a Century. And uh, the, the funniest part was that as they were showing the montage of everything from Canada's medals to Simone Biles to Usain Bolt, they put a clip in there of the Tragically Hips final encore, even though they weren't in Brazil, right. had nothing to do with it, and it was a show that preempted the final days of the Olympics. Cool. Well, I, I suppose, do they have like a Greatest Hits album or something that they had to promote at the same time? Is that how it kind of works? Or <laughs> uh, Well, they have the imminent death of the lead singer, I guess, True. they're promoting, yeah. so <laughs> maybe that's the reason why. It kind of helps, I guess. Um just some other quick user for, uh, I mean, again, we're kind of gelling over a lot of stuff here because it's the last bit and we're going to get to the closing ceremony, but uh, just got to mention our man, Ryan Lochte, he's been dumped by all his sponsors. Um, I mean, it was clearly going to happen. Um, what's going on there, uh, Colin? Uh, does Canada get a lot more Ryan Lochte? Because I think we're, we're over him now. We don't hear much about him anymore, but... All of the coverage I'm seeing is all on American television. Uh, I recorded NBC because the Tragic Lip concert was preempting the Olympics on CBC, and an hour of their coverage was Ryan Lochte. So I don't think anybody in Canada really cares. I think it's something that everybody in the world is laughing at, not because they're laughing at the Americans, just they're laughing at Ryan Lochte. But I don't think this is going to be a big deal anywhere but there. Uh, Jared, have you been paying much attention to Ryan Lochte, or we've, we've moved on? Uh, I feel like we've moved on. I think um, the Australian athletes kind of getting into a spot of a border kind of um, took the heat off Ryan a little bit in terms of local coverage, uh, so I haven't really been following. He's uh, four major sponsors, including Speedo and Ralph Lauren. Oh, no, not Ralph Lauren. Um, <laughs> and I love the fact that he's gone, he's dyed his hair back. He's not we're having that grey stuff anymore, so... Um Good on you, Ryan. It's funny, I was, I've been, um, I think I mentioned going through some of my old uh, tapes and stuff, putting them on my computer, and I was going through the Beijing ones, and I happened to flick through a bit where it was like, Ryan Lochte won a medal in it or something like that. And I'm like, uh, wow, gee, he hadn't really changed. Anyway, um, we kind of touched on what we watched. I just want to mention the marathon. Um, I mean, I guess I've never really watched too much of the marathon, but, I mean, that was epic. Like, watching these guys cross the finish line and then, like, even the people who are finishing in, like, 50th place are celebrating like they've won. I mean, it was just amazing to see. Of course, the uh, the Ethiopian uh, silver medalist, Faisa Lilesa, I think that's how you say his name, uh, apparently getting into a bit of trouble back home. He gave a, uh, a bit of a political protest as he crossed the line by crossing his arms up and uh, 
apparently he reckoned that was a, an idea that he might get murdered when he gets back home, but apparently Ethiopia have said, no, no, come back home, it's all good. Um, so, <laughs> ten- I thought that was another throwback to G-Generation X or something. <laughs> yes. Uh, $10, we'll find out he's dead in a couple of weeks. Um, but I, I had to laugh. I want, I'm kind of preempting the Athlete of the Day nomination here, but I want to, like, I, the guy who finished in 33rd place, this is how much I was paying attention to it. He's from America. His name, I'm going to butcher his name, Mebratom Keflezigi. As he was about to cross the line, he slipped over because it was raining. And as he fell over, before he picked himself up on the finish line, decided to do some push-ups. So then he got up and celebrated the fact that he finished in 33rd place. It was amazing. I don't know how much of this, Colin, you saw with the marathon when you were split-screening with Penny Alexiak saying one word, but um, I loved it. I thought it was great. Good on these people for getting so happy for just finishing. (laughs) Well, it really is the most intense sport there is in the Olympics just because of, I mean, the longevity of what you have to do. I mean, I've done some 5 and 10Ks and in the middle of trying to get ready for a half marathon it's it's cool how excited people get about this because I would think, well, you're just watching somebody run slowly. And there was one 10K race I did uh, out of town here and people would be standing on their driveways ready to tag your hand. It's like, you don't know me. I'm just some guy from an hour and a half away <laughs> who paid 40 bucks to run in a race. But people get excited about it. Uh, I've never fallen. Um, I thought for a second maybe Meb had tripped over Mo Farah or something. But I guess the rain really dampened a lot of things on the final day. But yeah, the marathon's fun to watch. I, I like these races. I mentioned the other day with the cross-country cycling <laughs> that... Uh, it's hard sometimes to get excited when they can't even show the pack because everybody's separated by 30 seconds to a minute. But there's something exciting about watching somebody just do this grueling, intense event where there's entertainment to be had just to see how much they're sweating and how much work they're putting into it. It's what, it's, I mean, this is such a cliche thing to say, but fuck it, I'm going to say it anyway. It's what the Olympics are all about. I mean, this is... You know, I am an uncoordinated fat guy who sits on his ass for probably 22 hours of the day um, and sleeps the other two. I mean, like, I am not fit. I am not athletic. I never have been. And the closest I ever got to doing any representing of any Olympic sport was when I tried out for a Southern Tasmanian field hockey team and didn't even get close to making it. So that's about the extent of my athletic uh, ability. So to watch these grown men and women compete in sports like this and, you know, like, get over that line. I mean, this is like what... I was having this conversation with my mum in terms of, like, you know, it was all in the media. Australia suck at the Olympics. We need to talk about what we're spending money on. It's like, if I made the Olympics, if I was told, Ben, you are going to compete in the Olympics, if I walked out there and I was in judo and I was uchi martyred in three seconds, I wouldn't give a flying fuck because... (laughs) I'm an Olympian. You can never take that away from me. I got to walk out in the opening ceremony. I got to do this. So to see these guys celebrating the fact that they're finishing in, like, 33rd place, that's that's to me what it is. It's, it's amazing. It's awesome. Good on you, men in the marathon and the women in the marathon and in any Olympic sport. So that's Ben's well, I mean, cliche what horse. you just said, <laughs> that's, it's really summed up what we talked about the other day with Mr. Greasy Chess from Tonga. I mean... <laughs> Everybody was excited about him originally just because he had incredible abs and he was all greased up. But when he actually got in his event and you could barely recognize him, he was covered in so much pads, he got just as much publicity just because of how excited he was. I mean, 
he lost nine to one. And the one point he scored, he jumped for joy as if he had won the gold medal. And that is kind of what the Olympics are about. I mean, there are athletes who will go there like, you know, I got to compete in the Olympics. That's what mattered to me. Exactly. And that's why, like, I joke and say, like, I'm going to make the Australian curling team. I mean, <laughs> when I used to do my radio show, we tracked down an Australian curler, which really wasn't that hard because there's like 40 of them in the entire country. I mean, like, that's probably the best. Jared, if you and I right now want to represent Australia in the Olympics, it's probably the best chance we've got. I mean, Australia's never made the curling in the Olympics. I think we made it nearly like we got eliminated by New Zealand in like a playoff, so we didn't make it. But, like, if I have to weigh up the odds of all the Olympic sports, I'm going to say curling's probably up there as one that we have a crack at, Jared, if we want to we try and do this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a sport that you can practice at home just mopping the floors, so um, <laughs> it's really your best chance for the average person to uh, make it to the Olympics. Oh, I can't wait till we continue on this into the Winter Olympics because, like, I mean, seriously, Colin, like, I guess curling's probably played in prime time there on a Friday night. I don't know. But, like, here, like, it's just <laughs> no one knows what it is until the Winter Olympics are on. And then every four years, it's literally, oh, what is this sport? They have the same, like, questions and segments on every four years. And Australia just don't give two shits about curling. Yeah, I mean, curling really is, it's not even a joke, it is prime time here. Uh, not even just the Olympics. You could just have the regular Canadian tour going on, and three months out of the year, you're tuning in to two or three channels that are airing the exact same event. But I think that's what, what we're going to experience when we do get to Pyeongchang, is uh, we're going to experience something where Canada doesn't win gold in curling and hockey maybe we take a silver and now we have the disappointment that australia had in the swimming pool well it's um it just reminds me we always bring up the simpsons but that's just life um that episode where they go to canada and they're like what is it bart and milhouse are fighting and the commentator's like oh some yankee doodle just crossed on the thing both our viewers will be thrilled <laughs> love that episode um, Jared uh, I don't know if you caught much of the marathon did you see any of that or anything else much on the last day uh, I did see lots of the ending of the marathon and I did love that moment where the American guy slips over I thought that was great and I love how uh, in the typical commentator's jinx fashion, I think our guy kind of crossed the line maybe a couple of spots earlier, and he nearly fell. And the commentator's like, "They really should mop that up. Somebody could fall at any second. And then you see the American guy go down. Um, other than that, I just watched bits and pieces of everything. Um, the rhythmic gymnastics final um, was absolutely amazing. You don't need, you don't know how much you need to see um, gymnasts throwing clubs through hoops until it's there on TV and you question your life and what you've been missing all these years. Uh, um, the mountain bike, I think it's fair that it is called the cross country because from what I saw, they are actually riding their bikes up the hill more than they're often riding them up the hill. Um, I don't know what the rules are with that, but every time they seem to kind of fall off or bunch together and they, then they didn't have any momentum to get up the hill, they just hop off and run their bike up the hill, which I think is a bit suspect. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting sport. Um, I think the one, though, that like Jared shared with us and I watched and then Colin watched and uh, the wrestling, <laughs> this whole situation. So we had, was it a bronze medal bout in the 65-kilogram class? Uh, with a Mongolian wrestler, Mandakaran Ganzorig, uh, was judged to have lost his contest with the Uzbekistanian wrestler of Ikhatior Navruzov. 
Um, so the Mongolian coaches were so incensed with the decision that they stormed onto the mat and started stripping. Uh, <laughs> now, I've never been to Mongolia. I don't know how Mongolians generally protest losing sport. But, um, I mean, Colin, this was... I've never seen anything like this. This was... I mean, if only the women's high jump had have ended in such controversial circumstances. <laughs> um, but this was interesting. The, the thing that made it really funny was the theatricality of it. The, the fact that the... Uh, I mean, it was kind of a bizarre situation, I guess, where you know, there was uh, a penalty point awarded right at the end. They were tied. They decided, well, this guy got the last point, so he technically wins. The first coach came out, ripped off his shirt in protest, and the second coach came out trying to hold him back, like, no, 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 it's not worth it. And then he went even further and ripped his shirt and pants off, and they just strutted around. Meanwhile, the Mongolian athletes out there shaking his head and then going to shake the hand of the Uzbekistan winner and the coach is still protesting. I mean, the commentators here are like, this is not what sports are about. These men should be banned for life. At least brought a little bit of entertainment to it, I guess. Well, I mean, this this made me want to watch wrestling. This was like the WWE. Like, I was legitimately waiting for the Mongolian to, like, pick up a chair and start smacking the referee around the head. I mean, this was like just a couple of stone throws away from that. I love the fact then that the, the wrestler then, when he went to, he shook the competitor's hand but then he refused to shake the referee's hand like, no, 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 I'm not, I, I don't agree with your decision, I'm not shaking your hand. <laughs> Jared, you shared... I'm not going as far as to strip down in front of you, <laughs> but I won't shake your hand. Jared, I, you shared this in our little group on Facebook. I mean, again, I hadn't seen this until you... I saw, like, a headline saying, like, controversy in the wrestling. But, um, I mean, were you watching this live? Uh, I didn't watch it live. I think I saw something similar to you and then made a point of going to find it and watch it. The thing I just loved was... I mean, you have the initial how the penalty points awarded because the Mongolian wrestler with, like, 10 seconds left just starts running away from the guy from Uzbekistan in the ring and pretty much just taunting him that he's going to lose this fight. Then they award the penalty point, and the Mongolian is like, how is this happening to me? Then you have the scanner with the Mongolian coach as well. The Uzbekistan, his, his coach is in the background, picks up the Uzbekistan <laughs> yeah. guy and slams him on the mat in a takedown. This is a celebration of his win. That's going on in the background where you have this in the front. And then just to, like, add um, insult to injury, then because of this, like, demonstration by the Mongolian coaches, the judges award another point to the guy from Uzbekistan. <laughs> so now he's clearly the winner by one more point. And it's just ridiculous. It just escalates. And there's so much going on. It's a type of clip you could just watch over and over again each time you find something different to laugh at. Um, easily my favourite moment from the final two days, if not from the whole Olympics. I, I'm going to say, I, I reckon this is just... I think this is all planned. I think that uh, wrestling knew that their sport sucked and they're still scared that they're going to lose out to like sport climbing for Tokyo. So they've like deliberately gone, all right, what can we do in the final day to make people talk about wrestling? Make wrestling the most talked about sport of Rio 2016. I know, let's get some fat Mongolians to strip. And it worked. We're talking about it right now, so it's clearly up there. Um, in uh, in typical uh, Usain Bolt fashion, those coaches said before it started, this sport needs fat Mongolian men to strip in front of the audience. And I guess they're right, because I'm sure wrestling will be back now, because everybody's going to be tuning in the next time Mongolia has a fight. Exactly. I completely agree. Um, interesting. I've already given my athlete of the day, but I mean, I don't know if you two want to chime in, or, or is this the Mongolian sweep, or Jared? I mean, 
Do you have anyone else besides who we've mentioned? No, no, it's just got to be the Mongolian wrestler. There's no other option that's right in this situation. <laughs> Colin, are, are you... Agreed. Are you, you're there, okay, got it. Easiest one we've ever done. Uh, moving straight through, well, I think kind of with wife of the day, it's not really a case of who's the wife of the day. I've got to decide. I've got a few here to choose from in terms of who just wins it. <laughs> but, because apparently I'm the Can prize. Jared and I take bets here? <laughs> Sure, go for it. Take some bets. Uh, I'm I'm betting on the Kiwi high jump for Eliza McCartney. <laughs> Jared, are you are you putting some money on this? Um, yeah, I mean, I was going to say uh, the first uh, Mongolian stripper, but um, I might have to go the same as what Colin said. Yeah, well, I was, I was pretty pretty keen to put him up, but um, yeah, I think somehow Eliza McCartney takes the cake. I, I've, I've actually, I will say, I've done a bit of research during the last couple of days, um, and I've managed to find a bit of research. I've managed to find there was a bit of research. <laughs> A bit of research was shared with the two of us. I'm sure you did a whole lot more on your own. Uh, I found 11 things you didn't know about Eliza. Uh, this is an article on the New Zealand Herald. Um, a, again, New Zealand clearly loves the fact that they have an athlete who wins a bronze medal. Um, <laughs> they're not very exciting uh, facts. It does say that she's got a boyfriend, but I don't give a shit in this case because he's a New Zealander and they don't really count. So, I mean, they're really like... I mean, fact number six, her coach is former builder Jeremy McColl, 33, a gymnast, 33, hang on, so how old is, how old is a dad, what, her, oh, coach, I thought it was a dad, I was about to say, Jesus, dad got started <laughs> young, she's like 19, would have made him 14 when he, oh, I'm glad I read that correctly, uh, <laughs> I love how they say former builder Jeremy McColl. Does everyone in New Zealand know who builders are? Um, a gymnast who took up pole vaulting in his 20s and won a couple of national titles. McColl believes pole vaulting can take off in New Zealand. I've always believed New Zealand can become world class because of the way Kiwi kids are talent-wise. They're very keen on extreme sports. And you don't have to be the most amazing athlete to be a pole vaulter. What you need is a lot of skulls. How is pole vaulting extreme sport? You fuck with like this is stupid. I, I, I think. Well, these do are... you want to do it? <laughs> I'd do it if Eliza McCartney's involved. <laughs> um, oh, these are actually really boring facts. I don't know why I'm even. Oh, hang on. McCartney was a 13-year-old high jumper with ambitions to be a netball international when she first discovered pole vault after following a friend to McColl training session. Good for her. <laughs> Uh, and the fact 11, McCartney believes women can match the men in pole vault, telling TVNZ, Songs are really moving forward very fast and the sport's evolving very quickly. We'll be pushing some heights near the boys, hopefully. Watch out, boys! Oh, we're watching, Eliza. Trust me. Uh, so, <laughs> is this the part where I meant to propose at the end of it? Uh, but, yeah, probably not. Well, you did promise that for the last 18 days. Oh, Eliza, will you marry me? Oh, yes, Ben, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> there you go. If that's the way she talks, then maybe you should take it back. Well, you heard the way she talked. As I posted in the group, if she learns to speak English, then we can we can talk better. So, um, <laughs> that's how it rolls. <laughs> but, um, uh, she, she, I mean, she could be mute. It doesn't bother me. Like... <laughs> Anyway, um, I don't have a lot else. Really, we should really get to the closing ceremony here. Channel Seven. I mean, this kind of b- goes into the closing ceremony because 
uh, there was a whole lot of uh, hate online for Channel 7's cringeworthy closing ceremony coverage. Uh, I mean, let's just talk about the closing ceremony. Let's not beat around the bush. It was shit. Uh, the best bit about it was the Japanese Prime Minister coming out from Mario. Uh, I don't know, Jared, if there's anything else to add more so than that, because, I mean, I guess it really was like the opening ceremony. Um, it kind of was shit. Yeah, I didn't really watch an incident in its entirety only really saw highlights um and considering there were highlights they weren't that that exciting so i can't imagine what the full thing would have been like uh, i do think it maybe was a bit more um similar to my expectations um considering the whole sort of carnival theme um kind of carried through the highlights that i saw so it was more what i was expecting from an opening ceremony i suppose um, but yeah, similar, just, there was no kind of big wow factor from the hearts that I saw. Um, so yeah, similar things playing it to the opening ceremony in my mind. Thomas Bach still talking in the end as well. Um, Colin, <laughs> do you, did you have anything extra maybe to add that we I mean, are we being too harsh on the closing ceremony? Well, I think I enjoyed it a little more than the opening ceremonies. Although I do have to say with the opening ceremonies, every, segment they had seemed a little bit different and this just seemed like a bunch of synchronized dancing <laughs> for two and a half hours um I, I did get some enjoyment that their final display when they could have done anything basically is that it put a bunch of grown adults out there dressed as broccoli florets uh <laughs> dancing to some brazilian music that was a little bit too much for me um but yeah i agree i think the the tokyo one was surprising the tokyo display because it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't about history or culture. It was kind of about present day. I do question a little bit how much of Japan was in there because they seem to be playing like some 1920s American jazz music for some reason. <laughs> and the idea that the spokesman, I guess, of modern day Japanese culture is a Japanese stereotype of an Italian American. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine if back in Atlanta. They had done, or I guess in Barcelona, the Atlanta display had been, you know, some stereotypical Japanese screaming citizen running from Godzilla. I, I don't know if it would have gone over so well. <laughs> Maybe they could have put something a little bit more Japanese in there, but it was still fun, I guess. Well, you're kind of ruining the illusion now that you put it that way. But um, yeah, I mean, I see that. I, mean, I love the fact that that little display you had like Hello Kitty in it. That was that's Japanese, right? <laughs> Uh, a lot of anime. Um, I just thought it was hilarious the fact that you had the Japanese Prime Minister dressed as Mario. Like, could you imagine, like, if they go back to London and the Queen, like, comes out dressed as something really British? Like, oh, hello, I'm the Queen! Like, dressed as... I don't know. Like, I don't know how popular the Japanese Prime Minister is, but... Um, you know, I, I couldn't imagine... Well, if- well, could we have had his wife next to him as Sailor Moon or something like that? <laughs> yes, that would have worked. Um, but I'm still sad that we didn't see the Hobart 2020 cultural display. That would have been so much better. Um, I've been dreaming about that moment for years. Um, one thing I have to question, though, in the middle of uh, this closing ceremony, we just had a glorified ad for the Olympic Channel, which didn't even explain what it was. Um, and I've had to Google it. And apparently it's an... And this is what it says. is an over-the-top internet television service to be operated by the International Olympic Committee. 
basically showing year-round interest in Olympic sports between summer and winter, especially among a younger audience. So that's what it is. Um, apparently that needed us to see a DJ performance by Kygo featuring some other woman who I don't even know who it was. So, yes, great. Um, and I think I mentioned in our chat that our Channel 7 coverage involved talking up Canada a lot, Colin. So even Australia was talking up Canada. And then their next thing was, oh, look out in the Gold Coast. They're going to be pretty good in the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> so, like, I love how Australia's so focused on the Commonwealth Games. <laughs> yeah. Well... I guess you have to set the bar low now that you flopped at the Olympics, right? Exactly. Now, you watching the Gold Coast, we're going to get beat by England and Canada. So, um, I don't know. I mean, Jared, from what you did see, any Channel 7 cringeworthy moments? I mean, a lot of tweets coming in, bagging out the commentary. I mean, I, think, I honestly don't think it was that bad. I think uh, nothing can beat the, uh, oh, and also the first line of a Beach Boys from the opening ceremony. So, yeah. Yeah, I didn't see anything too bad from the uh, closing ceremony. Going back to the events on the on the last couple of days, um, during the women's marathon, there was a comment, um, don't have to stop for the red lights in case you were wondering, <laughs> um, which I'm like, yes, while I'm watching an Olympic sport where they're racing against each other, I'm wondering why when they come to the intersection of the traffic lights on their bikes, they're not stopping and they're breaking the law. <laughs> And I think they should be tracked down and fined for going through those red lights. <laughs> just the dumbest thing you could possibly say in just typical Channel 7 Australian Olympic commentary. <laughs> Didn't quite catch that one, but <laughs> you need to go back and watch it. Um, yeah, overall, we would give Channel 7 a, a, a medium, I don't know, pass, fail, or whatever. What would you, overall, CBC, obviously, Colin made the, uh, the news a lot for their comments about pigs and not knowing who Michael Phelps is. Um, you know, do they have the Olympics still for a few more years, or is it up for tender again in Canada? Uh, what, what do you mean, like, for coverage? Yeah, so, like, do, like they, for CBC? do they still have the rights for the next few Olympics? I, I would assume so. I mean, in my lifetime, I can remember only one time that they didn't have it. So it must just be a lock at this point. Uh, we did have one kind of awkward moment. Uh, I've mentioned, I think all the way back in our first episode, the biggest disappointment Canada had in the Olympics was in Athens. And one of the reasons is that we had like a sure lock for a gold in hurdles for Perdita Felician. And then she wiped out on the first hurdle and took another runner down with her. She's now one of the head commentators and interviewers for CBC, and they had her on with the other commentators for the closing ceremonies. And there was this one really awkward moment. I wish I could remember which country it was that came out, and they were doing this weird crouching down dance all together as they were marching onto the field. And uh, they were commenting on that, and Perdita Felicia and said, that's what you call getting low, low, low. I would do that, but then I wouldn't get up, up, up. <laughs> wow. Jeez. I wonder, I wonder if Which is very true. If you did see her run the hurdles in Athens, that would be true. <laughs> I wonder if there's, like, a country out there that just has normal commentary. Like, I mean, I'm sure if we went to, like, I don't know, um, Estonia. 
Like, uh, do they just have, like, normal commentary? This is an event, and we're going to commentate on it and not try and be funny. Like, Hungary would have it. Like, they're not funny. So, like, they would just, you know. <laughs> yes, and in Hungary, we win medals. And here comes our Hungarian athletes onto the field. <laughs> Moving on. I can't imagine the Russians being exactly funny either. Like, have you ever met a funny Russian? Like, no offense to Russia. I shouldn't say that. They'll probably blow me up. Like, the funniest thing I've ever seen from Russia is they stuffed up the Olympic rings so they murdered the guy who did that in the opening ceremony and then they made a joke about it in the closing ceremony. Like, what's a Russian comedy? Anybody out there? <laughs> it's a very serious country, Russia. Well, yeah, I mean, my heritage, I guess you could technically say is Russian, but I did mention on another episode that it's technically Georgia, which is separated now, and Russians don't like to admit that Georgia was ever part of it. Right, so that's why so, I'm funny. Uh, I'm not going to claim... That's right. That's I was going to say. That's the reason why, if you haven't laughed at anything I've said this whole podcast, is maybe because I have a little bit of Russian in me. Yes. Stop rushing your jokes, Colin. Uh-huh. See, I've got Hungarian in me. It's not funny. Uh- <laughs> Australians are so much funnier than Russians. <laughs> hey, we talk about triathletes not stopping at traffic lights. Um, so, uh, obviously, we don't really have a Canadian athlete of the day. I just really, with the fan messages, actually, I wasn't going to do this, but I just had to quickly mention this because the AOC app has, uh, eight hours ago, put a story up, basically just on fan messages. So, they've got, throughout the lead-up to and during the Olympic Games, our athletes have been inundated with inspiring messages from audiences at home, thousands of fan messages, blah, 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 blah. So, they've gone and put up... Here are a few of the best fan messages published on olympics.com.au. And they're all just sort of, you know, your bullshit, blah, 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 you're amazing. Um, I love the fact here that we never saw this one. A year four student uh, sent one to Kate Campbell and put a poem. C for courage, A for amazing, T for tenacious, E for excellent. (laughs) Where's the one for C for crap? Uh, <laughs> where's the j for j mac exactly. but i had to laugh because there are actually a few fan messages still on the actual page and there were some blinders here like they saved this so good uh a shanty not the singer somebody from victoria to kate campbell of all people you are so good at swimming uh, <laughs> <all> <laughs> Smile, this one, smile for a while from South Australia to Dane Bird Smith, our bronze medalist in the 20 kilometer walk. I like to walk. <laughs> That's the message. Don't we all? Uh, from Aaron in South Australia to Aaron Baines. Hi, Aaron Baines. <laughs> That's all it says. The greatest hits of fan messages. <laughs> From Honya Jeff John MFD in Western Australia to Damien Martin. Hi, in your biggest fan. I heart you. If you don't reply, don't worry, I'll still love you. <laughs> uh, there's one here. Oh. And ours did not make it. This, this one, actually, I'm not going to laugh at this one, because this one's actually kind of sweet. From Holly in South Australia to Bronte Campbell, while my dad is dying of cancer, you are the only thing making me smile. Oh, that's nice. Um, smile for a while again to set one into Mac Horton this time. Good on you. Uh, <laughs> 
there's, anything specific or just in general? There's one. I'm trying to find it. Somebody actually included their address. Like, I'm not even kidding. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think I'll read it out on air because both our listeners will. Here we go. From Malachia Boyle in Victoria to Ellie Carpenter. They've started out with their actual address. No word of a lie. And then it's got... I think they think they're writing a letter like old style because they've written their address. Then they've written the date, 22 August. Dear Ellie, I watched the whole game against Brazil. It was an amazing game. It was so close. I cannot believe that there had to be a penalty shootout. I have never seen a closer game. I also play soccer at Williamtown Soccer Club. I think soccer is the best sport ever. Michaela. <laughs> I've got her address. So. <laughs> did they, I, I wonder, did they screenshot a postage stamp to include with the message? <laughs> yes. Uh, Max in Victoria to Patty Mills. Hello. Good job. <laughs> Clearly, them watch it. I just think there was a couple of gold ones there at the end. There, good on you, people, for sending in fan messages. Um, all right, I think we need to talk about our favourite modes of the games, uh, favourite modes of this podcast. Now, I want to read this one out because Colin, you're, you're about to leave us very shortly, um, and I, I put the post up on our Facebook page to ask any of our listeners what were your favourite moments, blah, blah, blah. We had one reply. Now, this is from a listener. I don't know, Colin, maybe if you know this person, from Jamie Hilding. Uh (laughs) Oh, yeah, the famous Jamie Hilding. Um, My favourite part was when Colin wasn't with me, because I... No, actually, doesn't really say that. Uh, My favourite part of the (laughs) games was when Bolt and DeGrasse smiled at each other, and you could see that he made Bolt work for the win. My favourite part of the podcast was when you guys went over the questions and pitches that the athletes filled out. Also, that I think Canadians did an awesome job this year for medals. We kicked butt. Aww. Did you you tell her to write that? We do. (laughs) I didn't know she wrote that. This is a surprise. I was worried she was going to say something embarrassing there. Yes. You didn't come to bed last night till 11.30. What were you doing? Stop looking at pictures of Eliza. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 11.30 would be generous. <laughs> uh, Colin, what were your favourite moments of the games and I guess also of doing this, these uh, podcasts? Well, uh, I, I think the ones that I got most excited about were obviously the Canadian wins. Uh, when Penny Alexiak took the gold, I don't know if I've screamed that hard in a long time. Uh, same for DeGrasse. Uh, even though the silver, I think, was a bigger deal, just the fact that I didn't really know for sure if he could hold his own in the 100 meter and the fact that he came in bronze, that was one of my favorite moments. And I will agree, the moment where him and Bolt were kind of smiling at each other at the finish line, you never see that in any sport. Uh, a, it's just, it shows how competitive these guys are, but also they can just have fun at it. I mean, they weren't worried about, uh, oh, well, I could have done half second faster or anything. It was just like, yeah, that was funny. Um, I think outside of the Canadian wins, I really loved Shawnee Miller when she dove across the finish line. <laughs> um, that was probably my favorite moment. And the fact that there was some controversy about that too is hilarious. Uh, Mo Farah, you know, being able to uh, repeat in two different events and anything the same bolt, obviously. Uh, aside from that, on this podcast, I do think our fan messages in the Canadian profiles, that was a good decision. We included those in there. Uh, we learned a lot about uh, Australian school children, and we learned a lot about how loaded most Canadian athletes were when they wrote their profiles. So, yeah, it, it was it was a fun Olympics and uh, fun uh, project to do this coverage of it throughout. Indeed, Jared, what about you? Uh, favorite Olympic moment, 
would have to be uh, the Fiji Rugby Seven team winning. Um, they've showed footage of that in kind of the highlights package and still just each time I watch it, it's just uh, so exciting to watch and it just makes you feel so happy for them and there's so much emotion there. Um, in terms of Australian results, Chloe Esposito can't go past it. Just such an unexpected gold medal and uh, in such such an exciting sport that I didn't think would be interesting oh, or okay. fun to watch and I just love Love the way that um, the, the way that they end them on pentathlon. I think it's the best ending of any sport with that kind of penalty system, time delay based on your results so far. I think that's a great system. We need more pentathlons, the ancient pentathlon, the uh, post-modern pentathlon. Um, I just want to see pentathlons across all sports, any any combination possible. I hope we get a pentathlon in the Winter Olympics uh, with curling in it. Uh, in terms of the podcast, I just loved talking about the green pool. Um, it's still something that I can't believe and I feel like it came up so often and it's just so, it just exemplifies the Rio Olympics, the green pool. I think that's the main takeaway that we leave this Olympics with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't really have, I I was going to say Chloe Esposito, cliche, I know, but I mean, just her reaction as well, winning that gold, that just summed up Australia's reaction, the fact that we got a gold or a medal, that there was a sport in the Olympics called modern pentathlon. So that really just summed that up. Um, I mean, outside of that, the... Uh, I, I like Kyle Chalmers winning it. I mean, no one again knew who he was, and now everybody does. And apparently I heard a bit that he's even considering just going to try and still get into the AFL now, even though he's won an Olympic gold medal. So he's like, eh, I've got my Olympic gold medal. I'll try and play footy now. Um, and uh, also Anna Mears, special note to Anna. Um, I mean, winning that bronze and just her reaction of winning. We didn't really talk too much about her reaction of winning the bronze. I mean, she was just so happy with that. So, good on you. Uh, Bolt, obviously everything Bolt. Ryan Lochte gave us a lot of stuff to talk about, uh, which was great. Uh, and just the the fact that we had so many countries winning their very first Olympic gold medals uh, in these games. Uh, obviously, Singapore, uh, you know, Fiji, as you mentioned, uh, Bahrain, Cote d'Ivoire won their first gold. I'm seeing here Tajikistan. Good on them. Um, so, yeah, it was great to see. And the podcast... Uh, look, I just enjoyed it all. I'm going to be incredibly cliche, but it was fun. Um, we literally came up with this idea, I think, three days before the Olympics started. And then we've managed to do it basically every day. So it's been great. Um, the fair messages were fun. Um, yeah, the green pool was just hilarious. Uh, Mr. Denise shitting himself. Um, anything to do with Ryan Lochte. <laughs> Um, me being a perv, but passing it off as trying to be romantic and get a wife. Let's be honest, I'm just I'm single and pervy, so that's all it is. Um, but yeah, that's about everything covered. Uh, it's kind of sad that this is it. This is well, at least for Rio, anyway. I mean, we come back for Pyeongchang and who knows the Commonwealth Games. Maybe uh, we might try and find some interviews. Colin Penny Alexiak might knock on your door and say, "Hey, I want to be interviewed uh, after a half an hour press conference." I don't know, so uh, we don't know what's it moving forward but it's been fun colin i appreciate you being with us uh, all the way from from canada and and flinflon none of us mentioned flinflon as our favorite moments what a what a legacy that's going to build that we started that on this show oh and you know one day we will all meet together at the walmart and flinflon and we'll reminisce about the great days of off the podium season one <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking forward to it jared as well for you thank you so much it's been a it's been a blast, and uh, I loved how you said in our group that basically now the Olympics are over, you can stop sleeping on the couch and go back to your bed. So that works out well, too. Yeah, there's the one positive. Um, yeah, it's been so much fun. Uh, the good thing is, 
even though I suppose Winter Olympics in two years, Summer Olympics in four years' time. But the great thing is that it just goes so fast and it doesn't feel like any time at all when it rolls back around. So uh, looking forward to the next lot of games. Indeed. We thank you, everyone, for your company throughout these last couple of weeks. Again, uh, we might be back with interviews. We don't know yet. We might surprise you with a Ryan Lochte interview. Who knows? But uh, it's been a blast. Uh, thank you to all our listeners for uh, subscribing and liking on Facebook, all that sort of stuff. Woo! We're around still. Uh, Survivor Oz might be dead for a while, but 007's still out there. New episodes coming soon. Uh, and who knows what miles else come from it. But uh, we appreciate your time here and off the podium. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until Pyeongchang in about 16 months' time, uh, we will speak to you then on Off the Podium. And good night. It's been a, a very difficult day. Jared Talent is the most successful Australian male athlete ever with his fourth Olympic medal, a silver medal in the 50k. I hope they can do it again in four years' time. Wraps around you in the dark. Come McAvoy and Chalmers both got away smartly off the blocks. McAvoy getting some momentum going. Chalmers is moving through. Chalmers is swimming well. The 18-year-old is going to get them. He's got them all. And he's the Olympic champion.